Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the Heming Brainiacs List podcast, coming for, to you from Sandy Point. I'm on holiday again. I've just done a week of work, my first week at my new uh, job. I don't know if I told you about this new job. Did I tell you about this new job? I should, because it was pretty crazy. I've only, we had to go into the office on Monday to uh, get my gear for my new job. Um, I'm working as a business analyst for a company called Energy Australia. Big electricity and gas retailer here in Australia. Something like 2 million customers or something like that. Huge. And um, the biggest corporation I've worked for, for, I've worked for a lot of big corporations as a BA, but this is the biggest one. Anyway, they told me that, um, you know, like any corporation, it's actually made up of a dozen or so sort of smaller parts, and each of those is a registered business by its own right that make up this larger corporation. So, you know, there's like Energy Australia, residential, Energy Australia, commercial, Energy Australia, next gen, energy, this, that, you know, all these different parts. So those different parts were sort of scattered around Melbourne City up until about a year ago, or two years ago maybe, we decided to buy a building and put it all into that building. Huge building. They've got 12 or so stories, I think they said, of this building, just for them, just for the, their company. And when I went there to pick up my laptop, I don't know, just mind-bogglingly big. How It was probably seemed, it seemed bigger because it was empty, but I was just wandering around this sea of an empty office space just thinking how big is this corporation and just no one there at all I ran into you know across 12 floors I ran into about 3 people anyway it was a bit of a weird situation because as they do when you get a new job and they say they offer you the job they ask do you have any uh, any holidays booked and I just happened to have this holiday booked so it meant I had a week on and then a week off straight away. So that's how it is. Um, first week was very easy. I think everyone still had Christmas brain. And now here I am at Sandy Point on holiday in full holiday mode. I intend to enjoy this because I don't think I'm going to get another break for probably 10 months. I'm sitting here on the balcony. You can probably hear crickets and frogs and stuff in the background because it's kind of like a little farmhouse kind of joint. Um... There's bulls not far away, um, smoking a cigar as we speak, which is lovely. I love a good cigar now and then. Very relaxing. And um, yeah, I'm going to podcast to you from here. So I hope some of my holiday vibes come through and you can enjoy it as well. Anyway, we're here to talk about Button Books Part 2, Chapter 5. My cigar's gone out. I've been talking too much. We're going to relight it. I'm going to go back into the cabin, relight the cigar, I'm not going to pause the podcast, I'm going to take you with me. Just got to relight my cigar. My podcast is still going.
Perfekt. Sorry about that. Oh, professional podcasting. I don't know where the pause button is on this little mobile rig, so you just had to come on that little journey with me. Did the afterthought, oh, by the way, Anton is available, seem a little bit suspicious to you? It seemed like, to me, that Mrs. Buddenbrook wanted Anton to be their man-servant, or whatever it's called, and uh, was trying to make it seem like, oh, yeah, and by the way, I happen to know one that's available. Well, I think that was her plan from the start. Maybe I'm just a suspicious guy, though. Swim said the mama fishy says, uh-oh, Justice Kroger is enthralled with the theatre, is neglecting the business, and now living off the capital. Uh-oh, Christian Buddenbrooks, at 14, has also become enthralled with the theatre, greatly worrying Junior. Junior is also worried about Tony's waywardness. I doubt packing her off to boarding school is going to work. Regarding Anton... Betsy, knee Kroger, wants a butler. Junior is worried about the expense, which leads to the whole recital of where their finances stands. Finances were at nine hundred thousand when the book started, and now five twenty. Although finances have fluctuated, they have never reached nine hundred. Plus, business has been dropping off, but expenses have remained the same, and they can't rely on a handsome inheritance from Kroger Senior because Justice is running their business into the ground while the Kroger Seniors continue living their lavish lifestyle. Tellingly, though, Junior and Mrs. retain the butler. Junior has a plan, though. He's going to put his trust in God. Sarcastic face. Hmm. It's all looking rather... I don't know. Maybe it's because the subtitle of the book is A Decline of a Family. It makes it a bit too... obvious... But it does just seem a little bit too obvious, doesn't it? Anywho, here's chapter six. We shall put Tony into Fraulein Weichbrot's boarding school, said the consul. He said it with such decision that so it was. Thomas was applying himself with talent to the business. Clara was thriving, lively child, and the appetite of the good... Clothilde must have pleased any heart alive, but Tony and Christian were hardly so satisfactory. It was not only that Christian had to stop nearly every afternoon for coffee with her Stengel, though even this became at length too much for the Frau Consul, and she sent a dainty missive to the master, summoning him to the conference in Meng Street. Her Stengel appeared in the Sunday wig and his tallest choker, bristling with lead pencils like lance heads, and they sat on the sofa in the landscape room while Christian hid in the dining room and listened. The excellent man set out his views with eloquence, if some embarrassment, spoke of the difference between lion and dash, told the tale of the forest green and the scuttle of coals and made use of in every other sentence of the phrase in consequence. It probably seemed to him a circumlocution suitable to the elegant surroundings, in which he found himself. After a while, the consul came and drove Christian away. He expressed to Herr Stengel his lively regret. 
that a son of his should give cause for dissatisfaction, O her consul, God forbid. Buttonbrook Minor has a wide-awake mind. He is a lively chap, and in consequence, just a little too lively, if I might say so, and in consequence, the consul politely went with him through the hall to the entry, and her stingle took his leave. Ah, oh, no, this was far from being, being the worst. The worst, when it became known, was as follows. Young Christian Buddenbrook had leave one evening to go to the theatre in company with a friend. The performance was Schiller's Wilhelm Tell, and the role of Tell's son, Walter, was played by a young lady, a certain Mademoiselle Maya de la Grange. Christian's worst then had to do with his young, with this young person. She wore, when on the stage, whether it suited her part or not, a diamond brooch, which was notoriously genuine, for, as everybody knew, it was a gift from the young consul Dolman, Peter Dolman, son of the deceased wholesale dealer in, the, in Wall Street, outside Holston Gate. Consul Peter, like Justice Kroger, belonged to the group of young men whom the town called fast. His way of life, that is to say, was rather loose. He had married and had one child, a little daughter, but he had long ago quarrelled with his wife, and he led the life of a bachelor. His father had left him a considerable inheritance, and he carried on the business after a fashion, but people said he was already living on his capital. He lived mostly at the club, or at the Rascala was often to be met somewhere in the street at four o'clock in the morning and made frequent business trips to Hamburg. Above all, he was a zealous patron of the drama and took a strong personal interest in the cast. Mademoiselle Maya de la Grange was the latest of a line of young ladies whom he had, in the past, distinguished by a gift of diamonds. Well, to arrive at the point, this young lad... Sorry. Well, to arrive at the point, this young lady looked so charming as Walter Tell wore her brooch and spoke her lines with such effect that Christian felt his heart swell with enthusiasm and tears rose to his eyes. He was moved by his transports to a course that only the very violence of emotion could pursue. He ran during the entracte to a flower shop opposite where for a sum of one mark eighty and a half shilling, sorry, one mark eight and a half shillings, he got, at a bargain, a bunch of flowers, and then this 14-year-old sprat, with his big nose and his deeply, deep-lying eyes, took his way to the green room since nobody stopped him and came upon Fraulein Mayor de Lagrange. Talking with the consul Peter Dolman at a dressing-room door, Peter Dolman nearly fell over with laughter when he saw Christian with the bouquet, but the new wooer, with a solemn face, bowed in his best manner before Walter Tell, handed her the bouquet, and nodding his head, said in a voice of well-nigh tearful conviction, Ah, Fraulein, how beautifully you act. Well, hang me if it ain't Christian Buttonbrook, Consul Dolman cried out in his broadest accent. Fraulein made it Lagrange lifted her pretty brows and asked, The son of Consul Buttonbrook, and she stroked the cheek of her young admirer with all the favour in the world. Such was the story that Consul Peter Dolman told at the club that night. It flew about the town like lightning and reached the ears of the headmaster who asked for an audience with Consul Buddenbrook, and he did. And, and how did the father take this affair? He was in truth less angry than overwhelmed. He sat almost like a broken man after telling the Frau Consul the story 
in the landscape room. And this is our son, he said. So is he growing up. But Jean, good heavens, your father would have laughed at it. Tell it to my father and mother on Thursday. You will see how Papa will enjoy it. But here the consul rose up in anger. Ah, yes, yes, I am sure he will enjoy it, Betsy. He will be glad to know that his light blood and impious desires live on, not only in a rake, a rake like Justice, his own son, but also in his grandson as well. Good God, you drive me to say these things. He goes to this person, he spends his pocket money on flowers for this Lorette. I don't say he knows what he is doing yet, but the inclination shows itself. It shows itself, Betsy. Ah, yes, this was all very painful indeed. The consul was perhaps the more beside himself, and the added reason that Tony's behaviour too had not been of the best. She had given up, it is true, shouting at the nervous stranger to make him dance, and she no longer rang the doorbell of the tiny old woman who sold worsted dolls, but she threw back her head more pertly than ever, and showed, especially after the summer visit with her grandparents, a very strong tendency to vanity and arrogance of spirit. One day the consul surprised her and Mamselle Jungmann reading together, the book was Chlorine's Mimili. The consul turned over some of the leaves and then silently closed it, and it was open no more. Soon afterward it came to light that Tony Antoinette Buddenbrook, no lesser person, had been seen walking outside the city wall with a young student, a friend of her brother, Frau Sturt, she who moved in the best circles, had seen the pair and had remarked at the Mollendorf's whither she had gone to buy some cast-off clothing that really Mademoiselle Buddenbrook was getting to the age where, and Frau Senator Mollendorf had slightly, lightly repeated the story to the consul. The pleasant strolls came to an end. Later, it came out that Fräulein Antoni had made a post office of the old hollow tree that stood near the castle gate, and not only posted therein letters addressed to the same student, but received letters from him as well by that means. When these facts came to light, they seemed to indicate the need of a more watchful oversight over the young lady, now fifteen years old, and she was accordingly, as we have already said, sent to boarding school at Fräulein Witchbrot's, number seven, Millbank. All right, there we go. That's that chapter for you. Another chapter done. Books are starting to get interesting. I'm liking it more and more. Uh, all right. I'll see you in the subreddit and I'll see you tomorrow.